Welcome to my podcast, Don't Make This Weird. Each week I invite a special guest to talk about their life, the news, politics, and anything else that might come up. Welcome to another episode of Don't Make This Weird, uh, the podcast. I am super thrilled to have my guest this week, um, one of my all-time favorite people that I have ever met on social media, um, somebody who has an unmatched style, just one of the most absolutely beautiful and smart people I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. Please welcome to the show, my friend H. How are you, sir? Uh, I am doing, I'm doing very well, uh, waiting for uh, spring to really kick in in Arizona. Um, It's a very sunny um, state as always, but we've had a gust of wind, so I'm hoping for the wind to go out so I can go back to going to the pool Then you know, just, I'm really ready for that relaxed vibe of the spring and summer that, you know, has been gone for a minute. So on this podcast, uh, we do love a good origin story. So um, tell me about Baby H. Okay, so Baby H on Twitter or in real life? Either or. So I'll just, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll try and be succinct. Um, So it would say for me in terms of kind of understanding politics and the way I view things was reconstruction. So I, when I was a sophomore in high school, we were learning about the civil war and, you know, you were, you're assuming we had, you know, the civil war, the, the North one, and then the South, you know, uh, lost and then like Jim Crow. And you just think that Jim Crow happened right away. But you forget that there was a 12 year period between 1865 and 1877, where there were black senators, black lieutenant governors, black Congress people, and that black folks actually probably held the level of power in the South that they haven't been able to reach back. And in our book, it was just one paragraph. So I kind of, I went on Wikipedia and I Googled it and I just saw how many rights Uh, Black folks had in that 12 year period, and then how much Jim Crow truthfully reduced it. And that sort of trained me to think that rights that are acquired are not a guaranteed. So, me who was under the notion, having that grown up here, that, you know, civil rights is a given or voting rights is a given, even then, high school, I started to put question marks around it, um, being like, I know these rights are fragile. And when you sort of view it from that prism, the way you view things politically is really, really different. So that's kind of, so you always look for folks who are being like, you know, marginalized or um, just not truthfully helped because you're always like this state of rights is so tenuous, you know, for everyone. So I think that's how I've been um, viewing politics. And it's kind of, I had an interest in politics before I read the encyclopedia as a child. But this kind of added another layer of, of politics. And for, for the me that folks would know, my <laughs> only having 100 followers, is I truthfully kind of got really more in the political discussion online, because I mostly just spoke in real life, was after, I believe in the, the primary of 2019, a Tom Steyer staffer who was, um, who used to work for the South Carolina Democratic Party stole Kamala's voter file and gave it to Tom. I I remember reading that story 
and being very outraged because I was like, this is the only black woman in the in the primaries. She's being treated. And there was no outrage. Nowhere, not in the media, not in the her fellow candidates. I think I saw a weak statement from Bernie and a weak statement from Elizabeth Warren and a weak an apology from Tom Steyer and a weak apology from the Democratic Party, but there just was no outrage. So that really got me. I was like so mad. I was like, how is this black woman being mistreated so much? So I kind of went on Twitter because I had my Twitter was one of, you know, one of those Twitter accounts where you like and retweet and that's it. And I was liking and retweeting hip hop, um, hip hop, uh, mostly it was hip hop and TV. So I started, you know, getting on to see and, you know, talk. And then you kind of, if you're searching for Kamala and you're seeing what people are saying, you start to follow people. And then that's kind of how I really got into uh, talking about, um, you know, most Kamala Harris. And then it sort of has stayed, you know, I'm, you know, she's my one and first and foremost, I, you know, I'm always there on the internet to support her, but then it also grew into uh, a support of black women who are honestly given nothing, even though they give everything. And that's, that is the, that's kind of what I, I uh, credit my lack of Kamala is to actually show you in more details because you don't notice it as much of how hard, how much harder it is for Black women to do anything in society, honestly. Um, what she suffers is on a macro level sometimes, but you can see it around you in a, in a clear way. And then for Black women in politics, you can, you can see it. But because a lot of them don't have the stature of Kamala Harris, uh, sometimes we don't oversee it. So that's you know, why I always support them. And I have a saying that I've said before, Political priority is Black women. A distant second is Black men. Nancy Pelosi, then everyone else, if you're a Democrat, I support you, but you will not see me break my back or do too much because I will first and foremost be looking at the Black women and girls. So that's a little bit of me. Um, so we are, we are in a midterm year. Um, so which which races um in particular be them uh federal state local which races are you watching so uh the one i'm watching is i'm not sure the district but in arizona here you know a swing state um we have um this congressman who uh, his name is david schweikert he's very corrupt um he is in a district that he won last year under corruption uh, and it was five points. He actually won easily against a Democrat. So I'm kind of looking at the Democratic primary to unseat him. Um, and especially because there is a black man, his name is Javon Hedges, who is running in that race. So I'm looking, I'm looking at that race very, very, very closely. And otherwise, I'm just checking, like I said, the black girls. So there is Jasmine Crockett in Texas. Um, I'm looking at that race. Uh, I am looking at Lauren Underwood's race yet again because it's going to be very, very tight. And she's one of my favorite members of Congress. And I worry all the time that we might lose her um, because she's really like actually as a member of Congress. I mean, we talk about this all the time on Twitter. She's very active and she has so many bills passed, yet her district is so tight. So I am looking at that race in a very interesting way. Those are the two that I'm mostly following. Uh, I haven't, to be fair, 
really gotten into my midterm uh, bag right now because um, right now, I mean, it's Lent, so I'm mostly praying. But uh, those are the two races that I'm watching. And I do, though, as a person, I am not in a negative vibe. I actually think we have the chance to keep the House, the Senate. I think we do because the redistricting looks good for us. Doesn't look like the disaster they predicted. And, um, you know, uh, how to say this and not sound mean. I think if the Democratic Party operatives can stop listening to so many white dude strategists and listen to black women and other people who are not white men and let them run strategy, we have an even better chance. I don't think that's going to happen because uh, we love our white dudes. So, uh, but I do think we have more of a, I think it's a 55% chance in, in my view. So I'm not very negative about this. I'm very positive about um, what we're gonna do in the midterms because I think that our districting looks good for us from what I've read. Have you heard anything different? No, no, um, every, everything that I've seen, um, like just across the board, there's been a few, a few spots where, you know, the redistricting has, has gone kind of in, in the Republican favor, but for yeah. the, for the most part, um, because in the 2020 election cycle, um, we actually, uh, Democrats actually won a lot of state legislatures and you know governorships so a lot of the redistricting has worked in our favor and i know the new york the new york and the california and i saw the democrats have done a very interesting job redistricting i won't call it gerrymandering because we're always <laughs> much fairer but i think they've been actually smart about this that's what i've read so far and obviously everything does come with the worry um of the voting situation, I think, in regards to, I believe, obviously, we all know that section. Uh, we all know that in 2013, um, they did got they did got it with the preclearance, and I believe the Supreme Court just got its section too. I believe so. The Voting Rights Act is pretty much toothless, so I do worry that that might play some shenanigans in some southern states, aka Texas. Um, which worries me a little bit in terms of how are they going to count the votes, especially in the Black districts. In the South, you know what, I don't put anything past the Republicans, so I worry about that. But at this point, you know, Joe Manchin, my Senator Kirsten Cinema are not going to do anything on the voting rights. So we just have to pray and um, hope that, you know, Mark Kelly gets his race and we get a couple of other senators. So I would say, wait, the Senate's are midterms. The Senate race I'm watching very closely. Mark Kelly here, um, the Republicans are sending crazier people against him. So that's, but the polling here is very close. So even though Mark Kelly is an amazing senator, it's closer than you think because the electorate is what it is. Obviously, I am watching the very controversial, much commented on 
discussed ad nauseum dramat filled race that is the, the Pennsylvania senatorial primary. I was, was going to ask you about that. Yeah. And um, North Carolina, I think that one is very, it looks really good for us. Yeah. Val Demings, um, I think her personality is so strong that I feel like she's going to eat Mark up. Uh, she's <laughs> going to eat Marco up. So I feel like even though the numbers, I think a lot of people sometimes say Texas is, you know, Florida is lost for us. I feel like Val's persona, Val Demings' personality is in such stark contract to Marco Rubio where he has no spine and she has all the spine that it might work. Um, and um, Wisconsin, obviously. No, Mich yeah, was, is it Wisconsin or Michigan? Mandela Barnes, it's- uh, Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin. Um, another black senator, you know, uh, can't be bad. That brings the number of black senators to three. I'm excited about that. And um, so those I'm watching the senatorial race because those are the ones to be fair. And I always say this for me, I feel like everyone has the right to have conversations about anybody who is elected in the House and the Senate because the legislation that they vote on is national. So yes, maybe perhaps I'm not from Pennsylvania. Well, I, while I don't understand the dynamics of, of how the voting blocks work, but what, that, what should concern me is what type of senator is going to come from there because senators from Pennsylvania don't just vote on Pennsylvania laws. They vote on the laws that affect all of us. The same thing with me in Arizona. I'm always really okay with folks discussing our politics because we are a swing state. Um, we have a senator that's crazy. And look at how our senator that we elected, her foolishness has stopped Build Back Better and the Voting Rights Act. So it is a national problem. And I have no issues with actually wish that everyone could discuss Arizona politics. Second, I wish everyone could discuss the Arizona gubernatorial race, especially on the Democrat side, because it worries me and as you all know, uh, Joe Biden won this state by 19,000 votes. If Republican is governor and it's a crazier one than Ducey, which is guaranteed, what are they gonna do? What if they refuse to certify the votes? What type of, like, what type of uh, guardrail do we have? And I think perhaps more folks should look at the Arizona Democratic race in the in Democratic race and interest themselves into it because the dynamics here I don't like. Um, so I, I do wanna ask you, um, because in, in our little corner of Twitter, yes. the, the Pennsylvania Senate race has, I mean, we are, we are a house divided. Um, <laughs> I, I myself have taken the stance of, you know, Anybody but Fetterman. That's that's where that's, that's that where, is that should be the stance. Yeah, um, I don't. What? Why do you think this race in particular? Because in other races across the country for the midterms, we've all kind of rallied around the, mm -hmm. the like one candidate. Why do you feel like this one has turned so ugly on in in our mm. corner of Twitter? Okay, I feel like it's just, I believe the other ones perhaps did not have the race dynamics that we have in our in this one, which, um, which 
it which kind of is is probably for me the main reason why uh, because i think we can all agree john fetterman is we don't want him and even right. i am like well i am a supporter i just want to make it clear i am a supporter of malcolm kenyatta i personally didn't know who he was until he started doing the national campaign for Joe Biden um, when the election was happening. And I thought, like, here is a, you know, a queer Black man who is talking about Black issues on national platform. And I thought he's very impressive. And I personally was like, I see him for um, higher office. So I support him. I have no problem with Connor uh, Lamb, uh, Representative Lamb, with like anybody but Fetterman. Like, that man took a gun. I mean, that was, I checked it. It was a couple of months after Trayvon and he was doing some George Zimmer, allegedly, don't sue me, John. Uh, he was doing some John, some, some Zimmerman type of stuff. So I think I'm against that. But in terms of the reason why this is so much is a lot of people, when we supported Kamala Harris in the primary, one of the main things that we did say was, she doesn't get the coverage she deserves. She don't get the money she deserves. Even though the polling is there, the popularity is there, the talent is there, the skills are there. She's not getting all of that because she's a Black person and a Black woman. So that was one of the arguments that we made for uh, in, uh, in talking about Kamala Harris. So then you have this election and you see Malcolm and I hear people say he has no money. But one of the main obstacles of Black politicians not running in races is because they don't get funding. Why don't they get funding? Is because people don't take a chance on them because they don't think they're going to win. So for us, I think some people see that and they say, how can we do the same thing that we said was hurting Kamala? And I think that's where the break is. And, and then to be worse, I just feel like nobody, we're not, there isn't, a real honest conversation about why. And it's more of like, this is my argument, this is my argument, this is my argument, this is my, and then people are fighting. But I think it's the, why are we not letting a black candidate run his race? Why are we counting them out so early? And for me personally, one of the things that, that does like, you know, cause I see it when people say, oh, you know, Pennsylvania uh, doesn't, you know, the black population is not enough, such and such. But California has a 6% black population, Kamala Harris won. Barack Obama won Iowa um, when he had like a white population. And I always say, you want black politicians to run. They don't win always, but you want them to run on their own terms to say what they want to say. And then if they leave, they have to leave. You don't have to tell them this. So I think for a group of people, seeing people telling Malcolm to drop out is just kind of takes you back to that Kamala era. And I believe that's where that's where the break is. And for me, you know, I I always said when I watched the Virginia election, the main lesson I got from there was the Democratic Party, we need to get over our obsession with white men with military records because we keep producing the same like Kyle Cunningham the same thing over and over but white men are the smallest part of our party 
they're the smallest. Why are they the default unity candidate against a Republican? I think that is the mistake that everyone makes. And then you get that white candidate. He doesn't win. And then they blame black voters like they didn't turn up enough because he gave them. <laughs> so I, I think that's where the break is, is some people are like, it's clearly obvious that Malcolm is happening because he's black. And other people are like, no, it's not. It's because, you know, he just isn't. And then, so I think it's the race dynamics plus, um, you know, like I said, I wanna, I don't wanna be too controversial. There is also <laughs> questions of, of ego, of being able to predict who is going to win the race. I have no idea. I just hope it's not Fetterman. However, what I do think is very wrong is to tell Malcolm to leave the race for, um, for like, for, uh, to tell Malcolm Kenyatta to leave the race for Connor Lamb because it's insane to me that in the party whose base is black people, mostly black women, we can literally look at a person and say, hey, you black person, leave so that another white person can take over. I think that's just, it's not right. So that's why uh, I've mostly just been supporting uh, Malcolm Kenyatta, whose platform is amazing. Y'all, I mean, I saw that he actually talked to candidate Joe Biden and got his mental health platform in the platform of the Biden-Harris platform. This is somebody who has the talent and this is what happens to black politicians. They have the talent, they have the skills, they just are not given a chance because they don't get funded, they don't get money. And then people say, leave because you have no money because nobody was gonna give the money. That is what happened. That is what we said happened to, to uh, VP. So that's, that's my read of that race. I just wish Malcolm Kenyatta well. I think that he has the talent. He would make a wonderful US Senator a black queer man, like just sometimes people, we get lost in the nitty gritty of politics, like passing legislation, which we should know, but you forget that politics, is, it's about the big goal. It's supposed to be about the future, about what we want to inspire us. Like we forget the big picture and the big picture here is a black gay senator. That is enough worthy to, no matter how impossible it seems, you have to support it. You have to encourage it. Because if he doesn't win the primary, we're supporting Connor Lamb, you know? Because I'm not gonna think that Fetterman is winning. I, I rebuke that. So if Malcolm isn't the nominee, we're supporting Connor Lamb. So, but in the meantime, to sort of forget, like when Martin Luther King was talking about um, us being free, about civil rights. He always reached out to the bigger picture. You know, obviously, you know, they have job issues, labor issues, but what worked was to remind us that we're working towards a much bigger goal, which is inclusion and acceptance. And if you are calling on a, if we lose the big picture of a black gay senator who has locks in the Senate, a black senatorial couple, which we don't have, if you lose sight of this, then what is the point of politics? Because even my involvement when I support Kamala Harris, yes, I want laws about, you know, 
uh, food and safety and healthcare, all of this. But a bigger part is a Black woman president will change our society, will make you better, will say it that we have changed, we have marked a different step. So there's always a big picture, which is what inspires you and makes you go work. You don't want to go work for like, I'm, 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 a, I'm a door knocker for somebody who's going to pass a transportation bill. Yes, it's important, but you need to inspire people to win the election. So that's why I do, I kind of feel like sometimes you can take politics, which is inspiring, and you bring it down to procedure and then you kill it. Uh, and, you know, to, to be fair to Malcolm Kenyatta, um, from, you know, his, his campaign, you know, it was, there was a slow start and that's, you know, he's a, a Pennsylvania congressman, you know, a lot of people outside of his district don't know him the way like we do, yes, but, political Twitter. um, you know, since since then, like, you know, there have been there have been moves in his campaign and the endorsements have come in. And I think, you know, Connor Lamb has national name recognition because he is currently a sitting United States um, congressman. But, you know, I, I don't to to your point, like you said, I don't think it's fair to tell somebody to drop out of the race um because i mean he is the his campaign and i you know i keep an eye on it because i he's on my monthly donations list um yeah you know there every day i'm getting emails from the campaign hey we got this endorsement hey this endorsement came in so i you know just let it play out Yes, and this is, I think you have to let it play out. And I do, I always would implore people to have grace in terms of, in terms, I think it's very cool to say like, oh, I'm a hardened political analyst. I tell it like it is and forget what his campaign represents. You know, maybe it doesn't speak to you personally because you're, worried about, not you, but like the person, yeah. uh, you're worried about, um, you know, us keeping the Senate, you know, um, and you're worried about that and it's not speaking to you, but for some people, you know, it says something like, you know, it, it means something. And that type of representation, it doesn't come very often for black gay men. It just doesn't happen. Even for black queer people, we just don't have that. So, I would say have a little bit more grace in that way. And, you know, at the risk of, I mean, I'm not on Twitter, so I won't see it. <laughs> at the risk of saying something, it reminds me a little bit of Kamala um, Harris's uh, presidential campaign because she had so many endorsements. The SCIE, which is one of the, she had, she had the most, even ahead of, pre of President Biden, she had the most congressional endorsement from people in Congress, the most black CBC endorsements. She had all of the endorsements because people had seen the work. They knew who she was, what she stands for, and always look at the people who endorse the politician. It tells you about them. My favorite thing that I love about, about the vice president, labor loves her. Like unions, like, if you look at her endorsement, it's a lot of unions. 
labor loves her and i i love labor so i'm very like if a politician is loved by labor i'm like yes L labor love kamala harris the dreamers people who work in the immigration space they love her and it tells you she is close to the people who are at the bottom of society if you look at malcolm's endorsement closely it's a lot of labor unions it's a lot of like that is who the candidate is close to so I'm just, it kind of reminds me of her a little bit where you're getting the endorsements, but you're not getting the money because he's black and on top of it, he's gay, which I'm sure is an argument you have heard. A black gay person can't win, um, you know, a state like Pennsylvania. I, I hear it, but I always remember that a man called Barack Hussein Obama won the Iowa caucus just because of sheer talent and Malcolm has that. So I just hope that people have grace in, in regards to what he represents and just let him run his campaign. I think it's gonna surprise us in the last days and I believe it. And this is not just me being a, you know, a supporter. I really think he has a chance to, to win this campaign and to win the Senate. Because if he wins the Senate, he's gonna get all the money uh, Joe Biden never raised very much money when he was running for, he was behind yeah. Elizabeth Warren, behind, he had no money, but what he had was the work, and he, once he got the nomination, and once uh, the vice president came on, he got tons of money, so money is not a problem for, for Kenyatta, he'll get it. Yeah, and it's just, it's, you know, because we, we see a lot of people say that, you know, you know, what is it, what does it say to like, you know, a a black queer person who maybe follows a bunch of us on Twitter, doesn't interact much, maybe thinking about running for office, but then to see tweets bashing a black queer person who is currently running for office. And I think I think a lot of that gets gets lost in the Twitter back and forth. And it's, it's, it's stuff that I think about sometimes that like, you know, who, who is seeing this tweet that, you know, I may not interact with all the time, you know, how does this mm -hmm. affect them? Yeah. And I do believe there is a way to, uh, if you think that Connor Lamb is the person and that's perfectly fine. He has a record that speaks for him. He has his own endorsements that speak for him. There is a way to promote him and to um, be joyful about his candidacy without discussing um, Kenyatta's in a, in a negative way. And, you know, again, at the risk of, I mean, I won't see it. I am not on Twitter for another <laughs> month. There is a lot of lying that is going on on Malcolm's record. There is a poster, the one I think, I don't know if you saw it, that said, grow the squad. That was used yeah. to spend a whole day attacking him. That poster does not exist. It, it was not, it, I checked, I went to check. We are Kamala supporters, we check receipts. That poster doesn't exist. What happened was they took the photo from the BNC website, put in grow the squad on top, and then that, it was a whole day of abuse heaped at Malcolm Kenyatta on a fake poster 
That is the type of stuff that Bernie uh, Stans did. So that is what I don't like because it is literally, that's a photo that, that it doesn't, I went to check, it doesn't exist. But the abuse that was heaped on him that whole day, the whole, this person is, he's a socialist, a record that doesn't exist. You feel me? Uh, or, or judging him by one picture. Those are the things, purity politics, which we used to say in the primaries. Purity politics, you can't win if you play that game. We yeah. said this. Why am I seeing them applied to, um, to Malcolm Kenyatta? You know, I want to remind everybody that Kamala Harris co-sponsored Medicare for All and the resolution on the Green New Deal. So should we? Politicians are pragmatic and they do what they need to do. Purity politics is, so I just think that's where for me the click is. It's like, why? You know? And that's, I just, that's what I sort of feel like. It's, and we are in the midst of the, the whole Ukrainian thing. You can see how you can take information, switch it a little bit, and then tell a total lie. What the, you can see that and I'm like, why would we do the same thing as, it's a very Trumpian way where you take something at face value, put a lie on it, and then it goes out. So I feel like there, if I saw it done to Connor Lamb, I would be like, that's, that's filthy. So I have seen that too, Malcolm, where I, I'm just, that I don't understand. And that I think is, is dangerous. And the worst part is if, you know, this thing keeps going on and on and on, you know, they're going to bring in the name of the vice president, even though she's not part of this. Yeah. So moving, moving, moving away from uh, the Pennsylvania race, uh, we have come to the point in the show where I pull an email out of the inbox um, from a listener and ask you the question that they have sent to me. Um, this week's letter comes to us from Jerry in Tacoma. Hello, Jerry. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for writing in. Uh, Jerry would like to know why won't Democrats admit that as a party, they've dropped the ball during the first year of the Biden presidency? Hmm. Wow, this is a... <laughs> okay. I just want to throw in there uh, real quick before you answer. Jerry, fuck you. Um, anyway. <laughs> where where is, is, this, is it Tacoma, Washington? Or is it I, Florida? I believe so. It just says Tacoma, so okay. I think so. So I don't think Democrats have dropped the ball. What I think Democratic politicians do, and this is on all sides, moderate, progressives, um, and just classic liberals, is when they do something great, they say it's not enough. So you never celebrate the thing that they did for you. I think that's the main problem. So we pass a ginormous bill. Instead of being like, look at what we did. Isn't this awesome? We say, we know it's not enough. We will do more. Obviously, we know it's not enough. We know we should do more. But I think we just don't celebrate it enough, what we're doing. Even when we celebrate what we're doing, we say, Oh, I know it's not enough. Now, I'm not a, a pro in political messaging. I don't have a degree in that. 
But I feel like instead of doing that, you can say, we did this and we will do more. But I do really hear it's not enough from too many politicians. And when you hear that, it kind of takes away the, from the celebration of feeling like of what we have accomplished. Uh, because I listen, I speak French. So every morning when I go to work, I listen to French news and I listen to how they cover the United States. It's very interesting because when they talk about Joe Biden, the ARP, $1.9 trillion, that is more than what all the European countries put together for their whole like COVID. So they were talking about the way the Europeans, and we're talking about these are far leftist Europeans. They're, they were so jealous of the 1.9 trillion because they're like, he's taking $1.9 trillion and he's putting it in the economy. Like the Americans are playing on such a different level. That's how they're reading it in Europe. But do you see how we read it here? $1.9 trillion, it's not enough. Because, you know, obviously we, we want to have Build Back Better. You know, we want to have, but you just, that, do, even when they did Build Back Better, no, if they did uh, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, the Europeans were shocked. They were like, one point, because they've only done $1.5 trillion for all of COVID. We did $1.9 trillion, $1.2, 3one in a year. The Europeans are like, the Americans are making investment in their future. Right here in Arizona, we just have this new Intel semiconductor factory, right? It's a very strategic investment, which, which the Biden administration negotiated with the Taiwanese to bring that technology here because semiconductors are so important in everything we do that we are in a competition with China. And the Europeans were shook that America is going to have one of the premier factories because we are in a technological war with China and the Biden administration has secured semiconductors for our country. This is how his accomplishment are viewed over there. We just say it's not enough, we should do more. And even regular Democrats always feel like, yeah, I mean, they said it's not enough, they're gonna do more, they're gonna do more, oh, they're not doing more, oh, they're not doing more. So I just think it's a question of how you say it. That's the problem in my humble opinion. I like that. That's that's good. <laughs> so we have um, <clears throat> come to the part of the show uh, where I like to play a little game with all of my guests. I have in front of me just 15 completely uh, random questions. Some were sent to me by listeners. Some I found on the internet. Uh, you down to play? Yes. All right. Question number one, what was your first job ever? Uh, my first job ever, I was a software development intern. Oh, wow. That's cool. What is your guilty pleasure? What is my dancing in front of my mirror? <laughs> I like that. Um, if aliens landed on Earth tomorrow and offered to take you with them, would you go? No. No? <laughs> I love, I love our blue skies. I love the grass. I love the sky too much. I think I couldn't give that up. Whitney or Mariah? Whitney. I respect Mariah tremendously, though. <laughs> Um, if you could commit any crime and get away with it, 
what would you choose? Um, wiring all of Jeff Bezos's wealth to myself and then promptly, no correction, wiring all of Elon Musk's wealth to myself, then promptly sending it to South Africa where his parents own an emerald mine and you know how these people got those mines in Africa. So that is, if I could do that crime and get away with it, I would do it. I would, I would support you in that. That's, that's a, that's a victimless crime, really. I mean, <laughs> uh, what is a film that most people hated, but that you love? Suicide Squad. I love that movie. It's, I saw it twice in theater. I watch it all the time. The first one. What is a film that you could or have watched over and over and never get sick of? It's, can I do it? It's a tie between two. Yeah, sure. So the one that I watch over and over is um, Black Panther. I watch it all the time. Uh, I think that's self-explanatory. The other one, which I would ask everyone to watch, it's on Amazon Prime, I believe is Padmavad. It's an Indian film by my favorite director, Sanjalila Bansali. It's so beautiful. If you freeze frame every frame, it looks like an Italian Renaissance painting. Oh. I love it. Padmavad, it is the most beautiful film ever made, in my opinion. I'm gonna check that out tonight, actually. Uh, what is your favorite Christmas song? All I want for Christmas is you, Mariah Carey. Uh, me and my sister uh, have a tradition where we decorate our tree by drinking champagne and eggnog and putting on our decoration to that song. That's awesome. If you had an extra $20 to spend on yourself and you had to spend it on yourself, but you could not buy food, what would you buy? A cocktail. Right on. <laughs> what is the best television show right now? Mm, Euphoria. Okay. I agree. I like that. See, for me, it's a toss up between Euphoria and Abbott Elementary. One of those two would. So I will say this. Um, I have only seen like, couple of I'm saving Abbott Elementary all of it when it drops for when I feel really really sad I'm gonna watch it I'm saving it I haven't seen it I'm saving it for when I'm sad I like that it's so good I hear it's amazing I'm just saving it um how many alarms do you set to wake you up in the morning um I have one at 440 445 455 so four you sound like me. <laughs> it's difficult to get out of bed. Yeah. Um, if I invited you to a barbecue, what would you bring? Um, I would bring booze. I am simply incapable of making any type of food. <laughs> That's fair. Um, what is the worst pickup line that you have ever heard? Hmm. A worst, uh, I can't remember to be honest. Okay. But remember I am from the 
generation of we text, so <laughs> pick up lines don't really. I have said very bad ones in French when I was in high school, but I would just say like, your eyes are so beautiful in French and it worked. Well, I feel like if you say anything in French, it's it's like yeah. you could rattle off the these McDonald's were, menu. These were very bad. Like your eyes reminds me of stars. It worked though. But I, I don't know because I think we are of, you talk to a person, you text, I don't really kind of, can I tell you? Even I don't have a pickup line. <laughs> um, if you could have a song play, Every time you entered a room, what song would it be? So many, so many. Um, but right now, it's I'm obsessed with the song, so let me get it correctly. It's called Up to Something by Mayorkun. The song, it just, whenever I play it, like on my way to the gym or uh, when I'm like going to a grocery, I feel like I'm a model walking in a runway show. So that song for right now. In a month though, different story <laughs> and final question if you had a talk show who would your first three guests be hmm. can i have like people who are not here is it yeah. dead or alive or is it more alive uh wow. living or dead okay <clears throat> obviously the legend herself Vice President Kamala Harris, um, Rihanna, and um, Chadwick Boseman. That's those are those are excellent, excellent choices. I we have come to the end of the show, sir. Um, so at this time, if there is anything that you would like to plug or let our listeners know about, um, if you want to drop your social media handles. Um, I know you're taking a break right now, but um, for for when you come back, you are more than welcome to do that right now. All right. Um, yes. So uh, if you want to follow me on the Bird app, uh, you can follow me at L V I S X V I I. It's a complicated handle because you know uh, I got suspended uh, because I defended. Kamala Harris against one of the squad members and they mass reported me and goodbye. Um, and the only thing I would plug before I go is um, just if you can, in, when it comes to politics, I would advise everyone, even though I, I'm nobody to give advice, to always look at how does this affect black women in a positive way? If it affects them, support that policy because black women, unfortunately society puts them at the bottom. So to help them, you have to go through all layers of society to get to them. So by solving the issues that concern black women, you solve the issues that concern everyone. So when we say, you know, support black women, when you support them, you're supporting everyone because to get to them at the bottom, you have to help everyone who has been made a priority. So please make Black women your priority in politics and in life. If you see somebody being rude to a Black girl, stop them. Well, H, sir, thank you 
so, so much uh, for being here this evening. It has been an absolute joy to have you on the show. And if you would ever like to come back to this or one of the other shows, I always have a spot for you. Thank you, thank you. This was this was this was lovely. For I was so nervous, but um, this was uh, just a very very fun show. And Don't make this weird is a dollar for Trollop production in association with Spring Break eighty three productions and the Joyful Warrior Podcast Network. <laughs>